Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out this week's episode of the One Man Podcast. It's always free and available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, and many more, as well as on the web at onemanpodcast.com. So please, whatever platform you're listening on, like and subscribe. Uh, while you're at it, give it a rating, leave a review. Why? Because it helps the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. How about that? What about social media? Search One Man Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's going on there. Get a little extra content for yourself. And finally, to get in touch, please send your emails to contact at onemanpodcast.com. You send it, I read it on the podcast, that's the deal. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? This is DJ DeMers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up, guys? This is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 176 for Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? You having the best time of your lives, huh? Is everything going good for you in your world? Who knows? The world's a crazy place. It's up and down on a daily basis. New numbers of COVID, right? Some people say things are good. Some people think things are bad. Some people say the numbers are getting better. Some people say the numbers are getting worse. Who knows? Who can you believe? Everyone's lying. Everyone's telling the truth, right? My facts are right. Your facts are wrong. All the fun stuff. Well, this week on the uh, podcast, I'll be talking about uh, an interview I just did with the uh, creators and cast of the Genius Podcast. I had a great time talking with them. I'll tell you about that. I watched a documentary on Amazon Prime called Scotch a Golden Dream. Uh, we're still doing the Nespresso Roadshow, and that's taking up a lot of my time, so I'm finding ways to just decompress, right? Watching... Watching documentary series, uh, watching one called The Business of Drugs on Netflix. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that. I uh, did a film the thing for the Nespresso uh, training team nationwide, which is kind of cool. I'll tell you guys some old, uh, an old story about something I did, um, which, you know, one will lead into the other. And uh, that's it. Then we know what we'll do. I've got a DK book coming up. Hey, the health span solution that I read. Uh, luckily for me, it's, it's like 70% a cookbook and then the rest of it is just info, but it's a great cookbook. It's a great book. I'll tell you about that a little later on. Then we'll all go home to our families. Huh? How about that? So why don't I get right into it? The, uh, the genius, uh, team asked me, I'd say the better part of a year ago, um, that, uh, you know, if I wanted to, you know, uh, get some early access to their podcast. I said, sure. What an honor to be asked if you want to be let in, right? Get the inside scoop before everybody else. Right. Um, so I, I basically, um, I, I listened to their podcast. I listened to the first three episodes and then when it came out, I listened to the rest of it and I enjoyed it. It was really good. I was super impressed, um, by just like everything. The sound quality was amazing. And after, uh, after that, they asked if I wanted to do an interview with like some of the, you know, do an episode with, with some of the cast members and the creators. I was like, yeah, of course, absolutely. I would love that. But it just never really worked out because we were trying to do something. This was like pre zoom and pre COVID. So it was kind of like, well, I'm in Ottawa. And maybe if I took the cast member, there's like one of the cast members live in Toronto. One of them lived here in Ottawa and somebody was in like, um, Montreal. So we were all in different places. No one was really doing zoom stuff at the time. So for me, I was like, well, I could Skype one person. And then if I had to, like, for me, it's always been an issue with audio, right? Is how do I get everybody's audio sounding good? I've only done one interview prior 
um, virtually. And I tried, it was with my buddy, Trent McClellan, great interview. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And, but, the, but it was Trent and I spent like 25 minutes trying to get things to work. And there was this weird humming sound coming from Skype or whatever. And what we ended up having to do was I actually plugged the recorder into my phone and I recorded us talking on the phone while Skype was still open. So we could see each other. Cause I find it's very difficult. It's harder to do an interview with people when you can't really see, I mean, I'm a body language guy. I'm a comedian. So I can tell when people are, are into what I'm saying and I can tell when the people are not. Which is why the podcast is so fucking weird because when I'm staring at the wall, I cannot tell if the wall is interested in what I'm saying or not. But anyways, the, the point is, is that I was worried about, um, uh, s- scheduling this uh, interview because I, I wanted it to go well. I didn't want to have, you know, um, certain things you run into with like zoom or whatever, where like it cuts off other people when someone else is talking and, and certain things, you know, someone, you know, even someone goes, mm-hmm, yep. Like sometimes it'll cut off the original audio to allow for the new audio person and things like that. So I was just kind of saying like, you know, let's make sure we can figure it out and do some tests. Cause I really, you know, I really want the episode to, to sound good because you guys did such an amazing job. I would hate to like, just, you know, I tried to do it with one person and we hit shitloads of technical issues, but the, the sound and everything went great. Um, we just took a long time to prepare and eventually we finally got it, got it figured out. Um, the, the creator and writer Tracy Houston was so super cool. Like her and I spent almost an hour on the phone. Uh, just one of the times we're trying to coordinate it. We just, the first time we actually spoke to each other was so cool. We had a great conversation. Everything was just like, it was nice and organic to talk to each other. And we were both very excited. We both have a mutual hatred for certain vegetables, which was kind of cool. Like we talked for almost an hour and you know, it, it, time went by, but it was just so cool to finally get a chance to, to talk to her and, and sort of get to know her a little bit. And that was just in preparation for the interview. Um, so when it got closer to the date for the interview, I, um, I, I re-listened to their podcast because it'd been, you know, quite a while before. Uh, and I was like, well, I want to have some questions and stuff like that. And I wanted to be fresh in my mind. So I listened to it again and, um, I, I listened to it again um, almost like the, the 48 hours before the interview. So I was like, every time everyone was cooking, if I was cleaning, doing laundry, anything like that, I had the podcast on just going through it again. And, um, so good. So good. I can't say enough good things. You guys can check it out at uh, genius-podcast.com. You can listen to it there, or you can find it on, you know, most podcatchers. So iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is, uh, you'll find it there. But, um, yeah, it was, it was great. And the funny thing was like, just as I'm listening to this, I'm like, fuck, this is so, such a good story. It's so intricate that like, I'm going to be, I was so, uh, intimidated and, and, uh, frankly, like at times like embarrassed because I was like, there's so many things I want to do and get to know the cast. And I even say some of this in the intro for the episode, but it was just, it was so cool to meet them. And I only got to scratch the surface of each one and who they were and stuff like that. So I, I would really love an opportunity to, to chat with them again, maybe on an individual basis, not so much because, you know, I, I don't want to give them all the floor. It was just like, it was hard for me even to, to bounce around to the, the different people just to try to give everyone, you know, some, some screen time. Like we've all seen, I've seen interviews and, and stuff where it's like a panel of people on a show. And like, you see the person trying to like, you know, somebody will sit there for like 25 minutes and say nothing. And then they'll be like, uh, so Sebastian did, uh, you know, did you enjoy the process? And he's like, oh yeah, it was, it was great. You know, we had a lot of fun and everyone would show up and it was this and that. And the guy says like three sentences and then they've gone back to someone else. And like, that was the only thing that he got. And it was very like generic. And I was like, so I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to the, the me bouncing from person to person to seem, you know, forced or inorganic, but 
that's why I like doing like one-on-one because I can just focus entirely on the person that I'm talking to, you know, as much as I'm a big talker and you guys know this, I talk so much, but I just, I love to get to know people. I love to get excited. I like to get genuine connections and dialogues going. I, I, I had so much fun. Here's the thing. Like I said, in the last 48 hours before the interview, I was listening to it again. And I have to say, um, Sarah Marchand, holy shit. Okay, she's the uh, the lead. She plays Sabine Moriarty in the uh, the podcast. Um, her her and Mitchell Cohen. Mitchell Cohen plays Jim Moriarty. They both did an amazing job. Like you can't even. When I was talking to them, neither of them sounded like their character, which was crazy. Like the, the, just sort of the level of talent. But um, I really got to say that like Sarah Marchand. The sound of her voice is Sabine. Now, this is all just audio, right? So you're, you're being brought in on a different level. There's no visual stimulus. It's all auditory. Like, I I legitimately started to develop, like, just a crush on the sound of her voice because she was very, like, her character is very confident, but, like, soft and gentle. Um, but just, and of course, she's got, like, the, you know, the English accent, if you will. Um not heavy English accent. Oh, they got me. Uh, that'd be fucking hilarious. But it was just so it's basically the way it was, was like, it was akin to, if you've ever seen the movie, her, um, where, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, like falls in love with his AI or sorry, his OS, his OS. Um, but it's Scarlett Johansson's voice and the whole movie you never see her face or anything because it's just this voice coming from his phone that's connecting with him and stuff like that. But uh, the truth of the matter is just the voice alone is so seductive at times, but like warm and welcoming and I don't know, man. Uh, I, I just, for what it's worth that. And of course, maybe it's just cause I was listening to it for like, you know, close to like two days straight was just, um, it was very charming and enchanting. Um, so uh, part of me was like a little t- intimidated to, to, you know, meet and start, you know, having a dialogue with this, with this voice. And so when I didn't see it, you know, which honestly, probably the only reason I survived the interview was just because of the fact that she didn't sound like the character Sabine when I was talking to her. So Sarah was still very charming as was Mitchell, as was Tracy. It was just like, I just remember like, developing this little bit of a crush in the, in the 48 hours leading up to the interview. And, um, man, it, uh, it was cool to, to get to meet them and, and, and talk to them and ask them questions. Um, it was, it was super cool. Actually, at one point I was talking about how much Sarah and Mitchell, cause they're like, they're like me. I'm sorry, guys, I'm bouncing around with different things. I want to make sure I don't forget to say the things that I want to say about it. But, um, Mitchell and Sarah are, you know, Canadian actors. Um, and right now they're in the same boat as me where that they're in the entertainment industry and COVID and quarantine and things like that are affecting the industry. Nobody's got any certainty of what's coming up. No one knows when things are going to go back to normal. We're all kind of in the boat of like, Hey, do I keep chasing this dream? But you know, while we're waiting to see if the world goes back to normal, um, you know, the bills need to be paid and stuff like that. So like, what am I doing? What's the long game? And we scratch on some of that in the episode, which is fucking awesome because I love when people get to hear the reality of like what it is. Like it is, it is a grind. It is a sacrifice. It is chasing a dream to do these things. And, um, 
you know, I, uh, I admire anyone who's doing it. I know myself, I have my moments of weakness and it, it helps to hear people who've done such an amazing, create such amazing content and have such amazing performances and things like that to hear that they also are, you know, going through the same doubts and stuff at times. So I, uh, it, it helps, it helps to hear that, you know, we're all in the same boat still, uh, from time to time. Um, not that I wish that on anybody or anything. It's just that, you know, um, I hope it helps the other people too, who, you know, uh, other people in the world who are like, Hey, I'm, I want to do something, but I'm not sure I can make it. And man, it seems like it's hard. It's like, well, it helps to hear people who are making it go. Yeah, it's hard. And yeah, there's ups and downs. I've said this before, but it was, it was just a really, uh, great episode, but Sarah and, and, uh, Mitchell to me were like the two shining stars in the, uh, the podcast. Everyone else was great. Uh, there was one guy who, the guy who played Sherlock, who was not on the, uh, not in the podcast. I, I actually, in the middle of the podcast, I was kind of like, yeah, like that guy's performance wasn't, it wasn't bad. It certainly wasn't. It even sounded like I was trying to like save it. I, at one point I'm like, it sounds, fuck, I'm like, it sounds like I'm talking shit about this guy. And I wasn't trying to, but I was just trying to say that like his performance felt more like a performance. If that means anything, it was just kind of like, I feel like when I'm listening to him, he sounds like Sherlock. It just felt more like a play and stuff. Whereas Jim and Sabine, I felt did a great job of, of sounding, I guess, more authentic. Um, and they were saying how like the guy played Sherlock, he was the most experienced or whatever, but it was like, yeah, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to talk shit on the guy. He did a great job. It's just that I was much more drawn in by, by Sarah and Mitchell's, uh, performances, but at the same time too, like dudes playing Sherlock, like there's, there's, you kind of got to be a certain way. It's Sherlock Holmes. You got to, you know, you, you got to play the character. There's only so much liberties you can take with Sherlock Holmes. And at the same time, you know, biggest shoes to fill. So I just felt like uh, during the interview, it might come across like I'm shitting on the guy. And I didn't, I didn't mean for it to come across that way. I was just really trying to, um, underline how impressed I was with, with Sarah and Mitchell's performances. So there's that, that was, uh, that was the thing. I had a great time with them. And, and like I said, I, uh, Boy, when you're listening to it, try not to fall in love with, with Sarah's, uh, Sabine, you know, she's, uh, she is, I mean, hell, her character is someone who's, you know, got everyone fallen for her in the story. So, you know, no shit listeners included. Okay. So that was, uh, that was one thing I did this week. Another thing that I watched was, um, I watched a documentary called scotch, a golden dream. Uh, it was on Amazon prime and I can't remember who recommended it to me. Somebody was telling me about uh, a documentary that they saw about scotch on Amazon prime. So I looked it up and I watched it and it was good. It mainly follows a guy whose name I've already forgot since I watched it. Um, but he was a young man. He, a very big deal in the scotch industry. Um, and I don't have it on my phone, Amazon prime. So I can't look it up now. But, um, yeah, so he was the guy who worked at, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Lagavulin, I believe it was. So Ardbeg, no, Bamore, I apologize, Bamore. He had to go by the Bamore distillery, because uh, Isla is home to uh, several, uh, you know, peated whiskey distilleries. Um, of course, when I went to Scotland, I went to the island of Isla. So I'm a very familiar with uh, this area. But, uh, yeah, we went to Lafroig, Lagavulin and Ardbeg and we we wanted to go to Bamor, Brookladic, Kolila, 
but uh, they were close. So, and of course, Brooke Laddick and um, uh, Bamar are just on the other side of like a little bay from each other. I don't even know if they'd call it a bay, maybe a little little fucking crew who knows but it's but it's right on the other side and uh this young man used to have to walk past the distillery to go to school every day because you know isla's not a, a huge place little island off the coast of uh, southwest coast of scotland and um they uh he's talking about how he was with a young man he went in there when he was in his teens asking for a summer job and you know the guy told him he can give him six weeks of work and he's like that six weeks turned into you know 50 some odd years of being in the whiskey business or 30 some odd years of that distillery and it was a cool story because it's got a lot of different people featured in it. They're talking a lot about Scotch, a lot of Scotch information in it, but it's, it just kind of follows this gentleman because he was a big deal and how he, uh, you know, traveled all over the world, sort of selling, selling Scotch and, and promoting his, his distillery. And then of course, at one point he made a big, a big move and went from, uh, Bamore to, uh, what was it? Uh, Brooke Laddick. Brooke Laddick. Sorry, I, I paused because I was trying to remember, was he directly from Bamore there? But this is a guy just just was the fucking man in, in the scotch industry and uh, and then went and basically brought back to life, resurrected uh, the Brooke Laddick distillery, which is a great distillery. Now I've got a bottle of Brooke Laddick on my shelf and I'm trying to get a hold uh, my hands on uh, an Octomore, which is a heavily, heavily peated uh, scotch. But uh, anyways, um, great, great. One they had a lot of Richard Patterson is is featured in it. Uh, Richard the Nose Patterson, who's very funny. If you ever get a chance to watch some uh, YouTube videos with Richard Patterson, he's a guy who uh, you know great Scotch enthusiast. Works at uh, what is it? Uh, Jeffrey and not Jeffrey and White. Uh, McKay White White and McKay or McKay and White in uh, in Glasgow. And that guy that guy knows his stuff with Scotch too. Uh, used to be the master distiller at uh, Dalmore, the Dalmore. Um, anyways. Uh, great documentary, just cool stuff about whiskey in it. I, I can't recommend it. If you're looking for something to watch, why not watch something? Scotch, uh, a golden dram dream. God damn it. I keep saying a golden dram. It's a golden dream. Although it is a golden dram too. You pour yourself a dram of scotch and it is a beautiful thing. Especially listen to all these Scots talk about a scotch and, and this and that. And it's all these different things. Scotch and a pour of scotch. Give me a scotch. All that stuff. Got one of the at one points the the gentleman's talking about how scotch is incorporated in everything like you know in American movies before someone's got some shit to do or they've just been through something they're always you know give me a scotch scotch on the rocks or whatever you know what it is like scotch is always the drink that you gotta you gotta get into you when you're gonna do some shit you know give me a fucking scotch god damn I have so much scotch in front of me and I can't drink it right now and I'll tell you guys why in an upcoming episode uh, as I'm a little behind getting this done hmm. But I can sip gingerly on a little cup of Costa Rican, a Costa Rican lungo made from my wonderful Nespresso machine. Um, so yeah, I watched that. I also watched, um, I was watching off and on this one. I was doing some other stuff, but, um, the business of drugs is what it's called on Netflix. And they do episodes. Um, I didn't watch them all, but they do episodes like based on, on each individual kind of drug. Like there's an episode on cocaine, uh, there's an episode on synthetics. There's an episode on like weed and another one on like uh, heroin and stuff like that. And I watched a few of them. Um, the one on Coke was interesting because the, the, the cocaine episode, they were talking about how, like in a lot of places it, uh, it, like the people who are farming the leaves, 
they said like it's it they make more money farming those leaves than they do like they couldn't possibly to go like legit to be a farmer to like grow like avocados or fruits or veggies or something like that like you couldn't possibly make enough money to to you know to make ends meet so the whole thing with like the industry of of you know the 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 farmers who are making the coke leaves or whatever they're like it's the whole fucking society is designed on no not the society it's not designed on it but the whole idea is like if you want to be able to feed your family the only thing that's going to make enough money to feed them is that right you go to legit and try to just be a farmer of regular shit like you couldn't possibly do it so it's like it's it's almost like you just can't can't do anything but be a drug farmer um but that one was fascinating the synthetics one was interesting because um they were talking about, um, you know, like MDMA and the positive therapeutic, uh, you know, psychology, uh, implications, right. For people who are like trying to undergo stress. Cause there's people in the episode talking about how like they took MDMA, uh, and they were able to do therapy with it where you just feel like you basically feel, I don't want to say fearless, forgive me for the yawning, but it's like, you feel open enough to be able to confront some of your things. There was a soldier in it who was talking about how he'd like do MDMA and you know, he's got like a therapist with him and, a, and, a, and another medical professional. And it's kind of like, okay, wait till you're having the effects of it. And now, okay. You know, it's like, you know, does a jump ahead in time where he's like, okay, I'm feeling something. And then he's able to just start just talking about how he's feeling, whatnot. And the person who developed the, the drug developed it with a, um, a therapeutic, you know, um, outcome in mind. So it was kind of like, I'm, I'm doing this so that people can, you know, as a drug to, to, to help people and stuff like that. But of course, as soon as it came out and people started, you know, it immediately got classified as uh the top of the pyramid. I'm trying to remember whether it's like a sector one or section one drug or something like that, which basically just means like hard no, you know? So, um, you know, there's, the, they were describing that in the episode of like the different sections of drugs where it's like something can be like a narcotic, but you have to get it from, you know, the pharmacy. And then there's another one, which is like, yeah. anyways, I, I don't remember that part, but it was like, but this thing, like as soon as they made it, as soon as, as soon as they, 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 you know, put made it section one or whatever the hell the, the, the system was called. Um, immediately it's like, yeah, well, there's no, you know, you can't do pharmaceuticals and medical testing and things like that because it's just immediately being considered, no, it's bad, bad drug. So the, the therapeutic uses of it that it was intended for just never got to be explored. Um, but they, they go into that, that another synthetic, they talk about a spice, which I'd never heard of before, but the idea is it's like a, a synthetic weed. So people are making fake weed and the idea is that you can just take like any old spice that you want and fine herbs or whatever. And you basically make this chemical and you spray it onto the, whatever you know, host plant, you know, and I don't mean host plant, like, you know, a house plant. I mean like host, like, you know, spray it on, on, I don't know, fine herbs or oregano or whatever to just spray it on something. You could smoke. And then when you smoke it, you get this drug. The only thing that they're talking about, like there's no way of regulating how much THC and you can give someone an insane dose. And that's not, and it was interesting. It was interesting. So the documentary series is called the business of drugs on Netflix. Uh, take a look if you're, if you're interested in learning a little more than my prattlings. Um, I would definitely say, take a look at that. It was, it was interesting to me. Um, 
what else? So Nespresso in Costco won't, won't tell you much about it. It's, it's really not, it's work. It's, it's talking to people and seeing who's looking for a premium cup of coffee in their home. And, uh, you know, who likes to slum it with curing? That's basically what we've been doing. But, um, we were trying to find ways to make things a little bit more accessible for the stores. Um, in terms of like trying to be able to talk to people, because it really is a product where, you know, tasting and seeing is believing. So when you're not able to taste it and you're not able to show someone, um, you know, how good it is, uh, sorry, give me one second. I'm getting texts and the fucking autocorrect is making me sound like an idiot. Bear with me one sec. All right. Sorry, gang. I apologize. I'm just getting messages. Someone's coming to pick something up and getting messages. So we're trying to coordinate that and I'll have to pause it again, of course, when they get here. But, um, so yeah, that's actually my boss was talking about. So, so him and I were trying to find ways that like, how do you tell somebody what a machine does? How do you, how do you, you know, sometimes seeing is believing. So, you know, that's the whole point of infomercials and whatnot. So we had to, we were suggesting to Nespresso that they allow us to do live demos, right? So if they're going to spend the money to give us capsules and stuff that we're basically just going to waste, you know, because we can't give it away. A lot of people are like, why can't you give us coffee? You know, give us a, give us samples. We want samples. And it's like, well, we we're not allowed. Well, why not? Well, because COVID, you know, we can't, we give out, we start giving out coffees to everybody. People are constantly removing their masks and, you know, and drinking. So it's like, we, they don't want to have people taking their masks off. Costco's giving out samples, but they're giving out wrapped stuff and saying, please enjoy it at home. Um, the, we also heard that bylaw was going into some of these stores and, uh, giving people fines who didn't have their masks on like, and, and quite hefty fines. So I think, I think the idea is apparently $5,000 was the number. $5,000 fine for not wearing a mask inside a grocery store. But, um, my guess is, you know, you get it thrown out five, $5,000 in this time is, is insane. But I think the reason that they were doing it, apparently like, like a few of the Costco's got hit hard with it and customers and employees like getting these fines. My guess is it's a show of force. You know, if enough people are going around telling these stories about how they got a $5,000 fine and people saying, all oh, these people are getting fines and this and that, everyone starts wearing a mask. They're afraid, you know, I don't want to get a fine. So my understanding, you probably go, go in there and get it thrown out and say, well, I wasn't aware that we could even get a fine for this. I didn't know it was a crime. I thought it was a policy, yada, yada, yada. So they'll probably throw them out, but they still did their show of force. And the vast majority of the population hears about this and everyone wears their masks. I think that's what it was. It was a scare tactic. Cause if you say we're going to find you, nobody listens until you get a fine. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's the way it was. I mean, I remember one time, uh, I was lucky somebody I knew got pulled over by the cops while they were on the phone with me. And they were like, why is, I don't know why I'm getting pulled over. I'm wearing my seatbelt, whatever. I'm like, well, are you holding your phone to your head right now? And he goes, oh, fuck. And then I could hear the cops say, uh, hey, how's it going, sir? You know, uh, do you have a thousand dollars right now in this economy to give away to the, the government for this and that? The cop was super cool, did not give him a fine, but basically was like, and this was during, you know, uh, early parts of quarantine. So this was good, a good dude saying like, I understand money's gonna be tight for everybody. You know, if you got a thousand dollars, I think he said, yeah, do you have a thousand dollars for the, just to, just to give over to the province right now for blah, blah, blah. blah. I was like, that was super cool of him to, to recognize, you know, to, to be cool about it. But you know, that's, um, you know, more, give me one second. Ah, oh, texts never stop. You tell someone you're doing something and that's like, if they could send you 15 small texts, you know, just send me one message. Um, Sorry. And again, I'm not going to know what point to go back and edit that out. Just, it just sound like Josh being Josh. 
getting messages. Can't stay focused. It's not like I can just ignore it because the person's on their way, but, um, yeah. So show of force, that kind of stuff. So we were kind of like, all right, how can we, how can we show people how this thing works without actually, you know, giving out samples and stuff. So we decided, but what if we just started doing demos, live demos, we'd run the machine, tell them people how it works. I can see it. They can see how easy it is. They can see all the nice creme on the coffee and this and that. So my boss and I like whipped up a quick, quick script. Um, I gave him, I gave him my, you know, some things that we need to have in it, but he basically scripted it out. And then one of the nights after work, he came and he's like, okay, we're just going to record it real quick. Like a little, like a little video for them to see how we would do this demo. And so it's me behind plexiglass with a mask on. And, um, he was just filming like on a tripod with an iPhone, but we're in Costco and we were filming this as soon as the doors, you know, as soon as the customers are out. So immediately all the forklifts are coming to the floor. So he's trying to record me talking and I'm like, I can't read the script and be animated and act this stuff out. Plus you're, you're not even going to be able to record me because the, the forklifts are all BB. If you've ever been in a Costco when it's closed and me, me, like there's like forklifts everywhere. Like, me, 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 people just going around corners, aisles, everything like that. Like it's, it's insane. There's no way it's going to work. So he's trying to like, now he's reading the script and I'm trying to like act it. And I'm like, I can hear you, but it's just like, it's going to sound shitty. So I said, look, I'm wearing a mask. Why don't you read it? I'll act, I'll act out what you're saying. And then later on, I'll record a voiceover for you. Like I'll, I'll read the script into my microphone when I'm doing like with my podcast equipment, I'll read it into that. And then you can just put the, my audio talking over top of my act out. And that way all those noises and honks and everything aren't there. Well, we, uh, we did that. We filmed it. And when I came back, he sent it to me later on, but the script that he sent me was not the, the order that he read it in. So I'm trying to like watch this video and read a script and do a voiceover, but it's in different orders. So like, I probably did like 40 fucking takes. There was also a period of time where there was like way too much dead space that he was going to edit out, but he didn't edit it out. So I'm sitting there like trying to read into the thing while watching the video. And it was just like, you know, and I'm trying to memorize because at this point I'm, I'm, now I can't read the script because I got it because like I said, he recorded it, at, like he read it out of order for the talking points. So when he read it out of order, when I was there, I acted it out, out of order, right? I was acting out what he was saying. So now he sent me the script to use to, to just read for the voiceover. The only problem is it's all out of order. So instead of, and this is something like he needs to submit by midnight or whatever. So it's, you know, and I'm getting home at like 11 o'clock. He's sending me the, the, the edited thing at like 11 o'clock. So I'm doing these voiceovers like, and, and so I'm like, I can't just read it and go, okay, now you chop it up and put it with the video. It's like, I kind of got to just watch this video and then say the points as I'm going. It was, um, it was work. It was definitely work. I'd done a little bit of voiceover stuff before, but again, when you're doing professional voiceover, they've got the script and the stuff, the way it's actually supposed to go. You know what I mean? The beats hit properly and everything like that. So this was, this was just fucking a whack, a whack job. Um, it was, it was good. I'm glad we got it to work and everything, but it was, uh, it was a pain in the ass, but that was just something I remember spending. And, and my spare time with this Nespresso stuff has been just eating up. You know, it's kind of like in the spare time, we, we powwow a lot about how can we, you know, move things forward and stuff like that. And what can we do to increase numbers and shit? And, and I'm glad that I'm the team lead and I'm glad that, that I'm, I'm included in a lot of the decision-making and stuff, but I like, I get to a point where I'm almost like, I'm just living and breathing this Nespresso stuff a little too much. 
You know what I mean? I love the coffee, love the product, but I just, I also need time away from it, which is why I'm actually spending more time watching documentaries and just TV instead of being like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and let's write some comedy and let's read some books. It's like, nope, I'm just, uh, I'm just going to sit and fucking veg and be exhausted. But, uh, I, I was reminded of this cause this was pre podcast. Um, I don't think I've really talked to you guys about this, but I thought it was kind of funny um, that I would, that I would mention it. Cause I was telling him about how I had to do voiceover for a show that I did called uh, real or fake on national geographic. I, uh, Jesus, sorry guys. I'm, I'm hitting, I'm either getting hit with yawns or I'm getting hit with, with, uh, uh, heartburn. That's what I'm struggling with. What's it called? Josh, that you're dealing with heartburn. So I did a show called real or fake, which was kind of cool. We, I got asked to do it by a company called mountain road productions. Um, they had worked with me on a home renovation show that I'd done before, which was like reality TV. And I remember they were like, they needed a, a host, a quiz master, and they were recording a pilot. And when they recorded the pilot, there was no costumes or anything like that. And we were recording in the byword market, um, in Ottawa. And I remember like, I was just dressed in kind of like standard street clothes or whatever. And we were recording all of these like promos and stuff. And I'm not an actor, right? So like. I'm not used to memorizing, uh, scripts and then delivering them while staying on my mark and shit like that. You know what I mean? So if you give me a script like a couple of days before, then I can read it and memorize it. But when you tell me a couple lines, I don't mean a couple, when you tell me like 60 seconds of speech, you know, I'm also someone who can, who's capable. I want to do a good job and therefore I, I get a little anxious with something like that. So you give me a minute worth of conversation to, to remember and where to walk and do this and that. Like I, there's so much like technical shit that I've stopped paying attention to my acting and this and that, that I'm like, just make sure I walk here, make sure I do that. Remember they were, they were trying to record me crossing a street and then the fucking, you know, they're like, take 10 seconds to get across. So my head, not only am I trying to say the lines, I'm trying to count to 10. I'm trying to go from this side of the light to the other. And then the light was only like six seconds long. So I was constantly like in the middle of the rut during like a green light going the other way. And they're like, yeah, who cares about the other cars? I'm like, I do. They might fucking hit me or whatever. But it's again, it's like another distraction. So when you're trying to micromanage all these little beats in your fucking head, I'm getting angry now. <laughs> when you're trying to remember all these little things, it's like, it's too much noise in my head. So I didn't feel like I did a great job of, uh, of acting in that particular case. Um, but it, I remember it being like, you know, cross the street and let's record this. Oh, my person's here. BRB. Hope I remember what I was talking about. Crossing the street was what I was talking about. Okay. Um, no more interruptions, hopefully. Knock on wood. Um, so yeah, we were recording one episode, all sorts of things. I remember too, at one point I was walking across the street in a giant, like, Greyhound Voyager bus like drove right into shot and just stayed there slowly turned the corner like completely blocked it and I stopped I was like oh for fuck's sakes and the director gave me shit afterwards <laughs> and he's like you don't stop unless I yell cut and I'm like all right he's like because that would have been really funny you doing the whole thing with just a bus in the way and I'm like okay like I'm learning all these things I go I didn't audition for this you guys asked me and I told you I'm not an actor I'm a comedian very big difference between being an actor and being a comedian. Cause when I'm on stage, I know how I want my joke to go. I know how I want to sound. I know what I'm trying to say. I'm in control of all of it. I'm not saying I have to be in control, 
But if you want something from me, you can't just be like, oh, give it to me with like more, more, yeah, like sometimes I'll just give you sounds too. I'm like, I don't, what the fuck does that mean? I go, I can barely take crystal clear directions. And you're going to be like, uh, give it to me more like Zimbabwe. <laughs> like, no, but they're just like, yeah, just, uh, okay, let's try it again. But to, you know, um, make it more like, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, angry. I'm like, what do you mean angry? How I'm pissed off. What the fuck? Blah, blah, my word. Welcome to real and front. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those, like, that's why I hate auditions too. I was telling us, I, I would actually talked about that on the genius podcast with, uh, with Sarah. I was saying how like auditions suck because I don't know what you want. You give me like two lines. I had no context of the story or who this character is or anything like that. And they're like, yeah, let's just hear what you think it is. I'm like, fuck. Anyways. So I remember we did, um, we did one pilot for real or fake. And I was like, well, I'm glad I got paid for that day. Cause I don't think we're getting, <laughs> I don't think this series is going to happen if it's based on my acting skills, but they went with it. They decided to do the series and it was, uh, it was fun. It was really fun. We did, they ended up making it like, like, um, like a gorilla style game show where things just kind of pop up out of nowhere. Um, the seekers had costumes. I did not, but then they decided to put me into a costume where every episode I'm dressed as some other ridiculous, different, ridiculous character. And at one point, actually speaking of Sherlock Holmes and genius, I actually played like a Sherlock Holmes detective, um, in one of the episodes. And, uh, and it was funny because we filmed them for three days and every day we would film three, ep- uh, was it? Yeah. We would film three episodes. I think there was 10 episodes total. So one of them was the pilot. And then we did three days of three episodes and the, the style of the show, uh, you can find it. If you Google real or fake national, national geographic, you'll, you'll find it. all 10 episodes are online and you can watch them. Um, but you'll find, uh, what was it? We did, uh, the, the, sorry, the, the format of the show was, it was three rounds and you have the four seekers and their idea is to go out and go find contestants. So in the first round, they're running around asking people and they would just say, Hey, so quick question, real or fake, blah, 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 blah. Like would they give multiple, you know, uh, they'd give multiple choice, uh, answers. So they'd be like, which of the following ones is, is fake. And then they would say three things and then they named the fake one. They got the fake one. They get to continue on the whole idea. The grand prize was an iPad mini for one of these, you know, contestants. And, um, <laughs> they did a great job in editing. Let me tell you, I, I'll get to why I'm laughing, but, um, the way it worked was round one, they'd have to get some people. Then in round two was elimination. So each seeker would get like three contestants and then they would do like a, they'd say a statement and then the person had to say whether or not it was real or fake. And then in the third round, once they, they got down to one person left, um, each seeker had their one contestant for the final round, which would be them with their, with their contestant. And then the quiz master, yours truly would come out, ask questions. And then the first person to get three, uh, three points, right? So naming real or fake to my questions, um, would win the iPad mini. And it was so funny because, (laughs) sorry, it was funny because, um, I remember, well, here, I'll tell you how we, how we would film them. 
That's that was the format of the show. First round, gather people. Second round, eliminate the people that you've gathered to one. And then final round, bring your one person back and get quizzed by Quizmaster Josh and uh, and see who wins the iPad Mini. Um, and I think we were, we did like first to five or something uh, on the scene. Then it got whittled down to like first to three points in in post production. But so what would happen is, um. We had teams like we had the director, the director would be with one of the camera crews and audio guys and mic guys. Um, what would happen is everyone would get set up. So the, the, the seekers had handheld mics and I was like wired mic'd. So what would happen is we'd get ready to do the thing. They'd put me in costume, whatever goofy costume it was that I was going to wear. And then they would, you know, feed the mics down the back of my my shirt or whatever and hook all the, the the battery packs into the back of my pants and then mic me in the front. And I would have to be where I was wearing like one, I was looking dressed like a stupid wizard one time. Another time I was dressed like a crazy judge. Another time I was dressed in a lobster suit. I was dressed as a Viking one time too. Uh, <laughs> anyways, the funny thing was they would go to do their, um, they would, they would go off. So we would set up our, our showdown, um, I guess stage It was basically just a bunch of flipped over trash cans because it was supposed to look like a gorilla thrown together thing. It was a kid's show. So it was supposed to look like a game show that just sort of sprung up on the street out of nowhere. And, um, the funny thing was, uh, they would build these backgrounds with Nat Geo, real or fake, all the stuff, and then leave all the equipment there, but they would mic me. And then, you know, there'd be uh, a producer with one group and cameraman with one seeker. And then, you know, the next seeker would have a cameraman and, and, you know, maybe like the director and then another group would have a cameraman seeker and another member from the production. So the idea is that everyone left the set to go off and find these contestants in the area. And I would be sitting there. I, I basically became security at that point. I'm the guy who sits there and just watches all of the, the boxes and cases and equipment and backdrop and everything like that. You know what I mean? Like a security guard at a fucking carnival in the middle of the night. But it wasn't just like, hey, you're just sitting there and, and watching everything. Is you're sitting there watching everything. People are still wandering all like you're you're in the middle of of downtown on the street or whatever. So there's like you're you're taking up a huge footprint with all this shit. And people are coming up and going, What's going on? But you're dressed like a Viking. You know, I'm not like dressed like security, like, oh, what's going on here? I'm dressed like a fucking lunatic because half a block down is another idiot dressed like something else. And he's just homeless and crazy. So I just look like either a crazy guy who showed up or why is this one guy here with all of this equipment? And yet like the cameras were all gone. So it's just this weird set, a bunch of like production boxes and then a wizard (laughs) guarding it. (laughs) Fuck it's stupid. It was, yeah. Um, it was funny, but that was, that was me for three days. It would be, we'd set it up, do the set and then dress me up like something stupid. And then everyone would fuck off for 40 minutes and I would sit there and look like a fucking idiot and answer all these people's questions. What's going on here? I'm like, it's a game show. And they're like, oh yeah, where is everybody? And I'm like, "Eh, they'll be back (laughs) like a guy, a divorcee whose wife left. "Eh, She's coming back. I'm just going to sit here in her dress until she does. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I remember when the seekers come back and everyone's back and we're doing the setup and we're doing the, the, the funny thing to me was like to like, uh, I remember Robin, 
uh, camera guy. Great dude. Great fucking dude, Robin. And uh, I'd be mic'd, right? So I'm mic'd. And my mic is quote, we call it hot. When your mic's hot, it means it's a recording. And um, it's an industry term. I'm just trying to remember all the stuff. Um, I remember I would fuck with Rob because there's so many people like, and I'm visualizing it. I don't know if I'll be able to paint a picture, but it's a kind of wide open space. Like there's the cameras that are on me at my, at my quiz master station. Then there's like the backdrop with all the contestants and the cameras are on them. And there's a big kind of like, it's a big circle sort of the way it's set up. We're still only occupying half of the circle, but like half the circle is camera crew and production people, whatever. And then the other half, the circle is all set. And I'm just standing there. The directors are getting everything ready. They've handed me my questions. So I'm just holding them, waiting for things to start. But I've been mic'd and I know Robin across the way, he's got the headphones on so he can hear me. So there's people running around everywhere, getting the contestants ready, getting backdrops ready, getting, you know, release forms and things like that. All these things done. And I would just tilt my head down and say something incredibly perverse or whatever <laughs> under my breath, but into the microphone. And it's funny. Cause I'll look like 40 feet in front of me across the circle uh, to Robin holding the camera. And I would just say something fucking stupid or, or, you know, pervert funny, but like, you know, perverted and come uh, on a set for a kid's show or whatever. And then I would just see him either stick his head out from behind the camera and shake his head. No, or just his shoulders start popping up and down. Like he was laughing. <laughs> so I'd say something, you know, one of the contestants had a super hot mom or something. They just, <laughs> Robin just fucking shake his head. <laughs> just knowing that it's only him who could hear me across the way. I mean, I'm sure we were, I don't think we started, uh, recording. Fuck. I hope not, or, or I'll be canceled, but, um, <laughs> that's like six years ago. Wouldn't it happen by now? My like, Kevin Spacey wasn't even fucking famous before his shit happened. Oh, really? That rabbit hole. I don't, I didn't do anything like that before anyone thinks, Oh, really? Josh was that? No. But if you just say like, a hey, kid's got a hot mom, I'd like to give her an iPad mini. You know what I mean? Does that even make sense? No, but just shit like that. And yeah. And then, and then of course it's like, okay, rolling sound. And then I'm like, Ooh, put on my little halo. I'm an angel. Never say anything gross. Um, I just like fuck with those guys. Cause they were the same dudes that were working with me on the, uh, all for nothing, uh, show too. So like I, I mountain road I've worked with before. So I know like the teams and people that they use. And I love those guys. They are fucking awesome. I, uh, I miss doing stuff with them. So yeah, but we would get started on, uh, the last part where I was actually on camera doing the quiz master stuff. And, uh, it was so funny. Cause I'd get in sh I, the director would give me shit because what happened the way it was supposed to go was like, I'd ask a question and then the first person to bang, whatever goofy prop they gave them onto the top of their trash can, I would like, say their name and they, they, you know, get to answer the question, real or fake, right? They answer with a, basically, you know, a true or false. I make a statement, they go true or false, real or fake. And the funny thing was sometimes the contestant would be like a four-year-old kid. And sometimes it would be like a, like a 15 or 16 year old. So the idea is like the 15 or 15 and 16 year olds are super fast. They're, they're competitive. They play video games. Like the hand-eye coordination is amazing. So it's like, ask question, like, bang. And I say their name. So then the director, okay, uh, once I cut and then they come up to me and they go, okay, you gotta, you gotta let somebody else, you know, when that, when, you know, you, you say the next name or whatever, like, like just let one of the little kids get it in or whatever. I'm like, that's cool but you need to go tell their seeker who's with them to help them bang it. Like you gotta, you gotta get them to bang, bang with them because the, the teen kids are way faster. I can't be like, bang, bang, 
oh, the second one was the one who got it in buzzer beater. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, but as they're like, you're going to, the, the teenager's going to be done in like five seconds and then there's no, like, what's the end of them? I go, hey, look, I get it, but you need to get the seekers like a, there's, I mean, if it's close, I'll pick the kid, but if it's like bang and then bang a minute later from the kid, I'm like, well, you got to go with the person who did it first. Otherwise it looks fucking rigged. So the idea was, he's like, yeah, you got to make it a closer game and, and let other people get answers in and shit. So that kind of sucked. That was that, that was the thing that I was kind of chuckling at before chuckling earlier too, with the whole me having to guard, guard the thing dressed like a lunatic saying funny things to, to Robin through the mic. It was fun. It was a, it was a fun thing. And then like, yeah, like I said, for three days straight, it was like record three episodes. It was like all day filming. And, um, we had a good time. It was good. It was just, but, but the vast majority of my day was me sitting dressed like a, a, a lunatic, um, and just guarding a set with no one else around, you know, people would come over and start like trying to k- take pictures and stuff. And I was like, all right, guys, I get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Um, no, it was more like people were coming and like, they would just come and be like, Hey, what's going on? And then some of them would like try to pick up some of the props and stuff. I was like, guys, you can't, we gotta, we gotta film it and stuff. You know, we're, we're filming here. Beat it beat it you know i and some people are like don't let people take pictures because it's like the show hasn't been released yet right so a bunch of people are like posting pictures you know of themselves in front of a set that's not been out yet and it was anyways it was good uh we didn't get a second season <laughs> but i had fun real or fake nat geo that was a fun thing i did the different costumes guarded the set i had no acting experience and they got what they paid for um so yeah, that was a, that was a fun time in, uh, in my life was doing the real or fake, you know, I had a good time with it. So, uh, DK baby, DK is back in my life and I could not be happier. DK sent me a bunch of books and, uh, one of the ones I'm, uh, the, you know, I was in a few weeks without one, but, um, I actually read the, the health span solution. It's a great little book here. Little, not little at all. It's actually quite large. The Healthspan Solution, How and What to Eat to Add Life to Your Years. Uh, 100 Easy Whole Food Recipes by Juliana Hever, Hever and Ray Cronis, Cronise, Cronis, Cronisi, like Gary Sinisi. Uh, it's fucking people's names. Uh, don't just live longer, live better. Health span is a noun, the period of life spent in good health, huh? Free from chronic disease and the disabilities of aging. Want to increase your health span? Learn how a single lifestyle modification, changing what you eat can dramatically improve your quality of life and results in sustainable lasting health benefits. Uh, based on over a decade of research and longevity analysis, authors and leading plant-based nutrition experts, Juliana Heaver and Ray Cronice, um, introduce a revolutionary way of eating designed to help you lose weight, reverse disease and achieve optimal health. And then you can take on the power. Um, so this one's actually interesting. And I actually just remembered, uh, one of the things I want to tell you guys about the whole reason I, I thought about real or fake was, um, I had to do, uh, <clears throat> they did a voiceover for like the episodes in post-production. That's why I, I laughed. And I also laughed earlier because I'm like, they, they cut down five points to three points in post-production. They had to edit it in such a way that like the, the hits and the timing with the hammers and everything made it look like all the kids were getting there. You know, it was a, it was a close, close to get the buzzer beaters and stuff in there. Um, anyways, when they were doing the uh, editing and, and post-production, they had one of the producers do the voiceover. 
for the real or fake. And then the Nat Geo was like, uh, we're not in love with that. Can you get Josh to do it? And I was like, oh, fuck. Again, this is like, like one of the only voiceover things I've ever done. But they were like the, the direction I was getting from them where they're like, they're like, can you say it? They're like, can you say, Hey, welcome to real or fake the coolest game show ever. And that's what I was doing. I was like, welcome to real or fake the coolest game show ever. And they're like, no, can you like, can you like voice go up at the end? And I was like, what do you mean go up? Like, like ever. And they're like, yeah, but more like up. I'm like, what do you mean more up? Like, like a, instead of going ever, like ever down, go ever. And I was like, my voice doesn't go up like that. It's cracking right now. I'm trying to do it. They're like, yeah, but just do it anyway. So I'm like, welcome to Real or Fake, the coolest game show ever, e- ever, e- ever. Like, I did so many fucking takes trying to give them a what at the end. It's a kid's show, but my voice doesn't do that because I'm a grown fucking man. Like, it was frustrating. My voice literally is going fucking dry right now. Just, I'm <coughs> just trying to replicate that. Yeah, it doesn't do it. It doesn't do that. Welcome to Real or Fake, the coolest game show ever, ever ever like it's like up at the end going up ever ever like this it's it's ever like it's not a fucking word that does that ever you know welcome to my fun house like i i don't know i'm i'm just normally will drop down a sound not no like i'm not barney (laughs) super duper duper he doesn't go duper like duper things drop down i don't know i didn't I didn't get the direction. I go, can you do it? But she was a girl, the girl who did it. I think she was pissed because she did the thing and then they took it off of her and gave it to me. But she's like, welcome to coolest game show ever. Like, uh, like their voices go up because they're fucking shrieky little trill. Anyways. Um, uh, no, nothing against it. I'm not even going to name her. She was a sweetheart, but it just, I, I don't have a feminine squeaky voice. So my voice doesn't squeak up at the end. It drops down. That's why things go down at the end. They drop off. They don't go up. Oh my God. Um, that's not how I talk. If they wanted Josh. Um, so it sounds stupid when you listen to the episode, it's like, welcome to real or fake. The coolest game show ever, ever. Like it's Nina and Norm. Like there was a good, I like, I would say like Aaron, Aiden, Nina and Norm, like, and, and, and Norm. <laughs> it's so irritating. So irritating. Anyways, the health span solution, everybody. Uh, I was just trying to say like, that was the, that was the other fucking voiceover thing that I could remember was doing real or fake and how much I was just like, I am frustrated by this, the, the sounds and stuff that I'm doing. Anyways, health span solution guys is a very cool book. Um, like all together, it's, it's predominantly a cookbook. So there's all sorts of super cool recipes in here that I checked out. This was one that I thought was going to look really, like looked really, really nice. Uh, nice. It's called the eat your greens bowl. It's got uh, carrot ginger dressing. All right. The ingredients are asparagus spears, chopped kale. Yeah. Uh, low sodium tamari. Anyone know what tamari is? I know what adamame is, but I don't know what tamari is. Uh, garlic powder, broccoli florets, uh, lime juice, brown rice, shelled adamame, cucumber, avocado chunks, broccoli sprouts. It was just, it's really cool greens bowl. Obviously the um, brown rice is there for a little bit of fucking uh, statch, but there's so many cool, like so many cool, just, I would call them simple recipes, but for me, if you have to chop up a bunch of shit first, it's not simple. It's just good for you. And I'm, God damn it. I'm, I'm someday going to start taking better care of myself. There's a lot of mushrooms in these recipes though. And, and I fucking hate mushrooms. Like this one here, I don't even have, if I'm going to say it right. The guai tiu tum yum, uh, guai tiu tum yum. 
Um, it has shallots, fine, but it's got a it's got a half a cup a cup of sliced shiitake mushrooms, gross. Coconut water, sure. Garlic cloves, sure. Kaffir lime leaves. How am I going to find kaffir lime leaves? Okay. Then I got to, uh, then I got to get lemongrass. Gal, what? Galangal, Thai ginger, Thai chilies, chili paste, one bunch of shimeji beach mushrooms, base trimmed. Then a half cup of sliced baby Bella mushrooms. Too much mushrooms. Then a magic mushroom powder. You're gonna go fucking trip, you're gonna trip balls in your guy too. Tom yum soup. Fuck mushrooms. Um, black bean and kale chili. There's anyways, whatever. You might be, be hearing this and going, oh my god, that sounds so good. Spicy Thai vegetable chowder. It looks like there's mushrooms in this. Show me mushrooms. Do 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 do. Yep, there they are. Sliced oyster mushrooms. Fuck mushrooms. Maybe I can't be healthy. Because I know that when I was reading this book, they were. There isn't mushrooms in every. There's so fucking many mushrooms in this book. I was re- I I actually like I skimmed through the. I read the first part, which is as always the the information part of a DK book. You know where instead of just saying, "Hey, here's a cookbook with good shit in it," mushroom and wild rice bread bisque. You know what? Yeah, there's. Uh, I I. It's funny because I jumped through a bunch of them and there wasn't. And now just like page by page, there's a lot. Yeah, like I remember this apple and fennel uh, with black walnuts. This looked fucking good. That I wanted to make. And then, you know, they had the, yep, here we go. Red wine and cocoa plums. That one looked fucking good. There was a lot of good shit here, but clearly I didn't. There's like some homemade barbecue sauces and stuff. There's actually some really like, there's a ton of really good shit in here, but the soups like are fucking predominantly mushrooms. Yeah. And I love soup. Don't you fuck with my fucking soup mushrooms. I would declare war on them. Um, anyways, in the beginning of the book, they do a really good job of explaining, um, you know, a lot of things about the health span and stuff like that. There's actually a really great page on circadian rhythm, right? Like our sleep, uh, our sleep cycle. And like when your body starts making melatonin and, uh, you know, your, your peak heart rate and just, you know, when your body starts producing melanin or secreting melatonin is how they referred to it. Right. So like you're, you're starting, you know, nine o'clock, you start secreting melatonin, then the melatonin stops your, your peak height of awareness. And just over the cycle of the day, it's showing them right in the graph. Not to mention they talk about, you know, our broken plate, which is like all the different things in our food, um, just different things we should be eating versus what we actually are eating. Um, they talk about lifespan versus health span and then over the different generations and things like that. They also talk about nutritional information, even though you can see like the nutritional information would be the same. It's like how much, um, you know, nutrition are you actually getting out of something? So just because it, you know, counting carbs is one thing or not carbs, sorry, counting calories is one thing, but what you're eating also makes a difference too. So just because you're not going over your daily calories, is, is it good for you? Um, I remember the, the nutritional information thing was trying to figure out how many amino acids you were getting. Cause that stuff doesn't exactly show up, uh, on the nutritional facts. Right. So I think they did uh, a baked potato versus 90% lean beef. Uh, both serving sizes were a hundred grams, but the, uh, calories from the baked potato was 93. The ba- the beef was 230. Uh, the calories from fat in the potato obviously is one. The calories from f- fat in the beef was 109. 
You know what I mean? So like just a little under half, like, like barely under half of the beef serving was all fat. You know what I mean? And then of course the amino acid score, which is something that's good for you. Uh, you get 109 amino acid score on the baked potato and 79 from the lean ground beef. So, um, but they talk about all sorts of this, the science of aging and things like that. And how many people are actually like, it's like showing people that like, you know, doing well with their lifestyles and stuff at like older age in life. But like once you're reproductive, you know, cycles and stuff are kind of like coming, I don't say coming to an end, have long since been ended, but it's like, you know, now you're the healthiest you're reproducing when you're shit. So yeah, where was it? Um, they talk about the lifespan versus health span where it shows like puberty and rep- re- reproductive cessation from 45 to 50. It says where life, whereas lifespan refers to the total number of years alive, health span focuses on how many living years are, uh, one remains healthy and free of disease or dysfunction. So it's showing kind of like health span between 80 and 100 plus is like when you're actually living like free of disease and stuff like that. Um, and then your reproductive prime and, and shit like that. So it's, it's interesting to, to see. Um, but, but yeah, anyways, um, I'm not a book review podcast, so I won't go into this one too, too much. Not to mention the fact that I fucking hate mushrooms, but they sent me this. I, I really, um, I like a lot of the meal recipes. I love soups. So I was really disappointed how many of them were just fucking mushrooms and stuff, but they have uh, a ton of information. If you're into that, you're, you want, you want health. Um, I'm, I'm super Cole's notes version of some of the stuff here, but it's cool to see there, but like these little triangles of nutrition and show you like how to organize it. Right. So the food triangle consists of having, uh, on one point is leafy greens, uh, cruciferous vegetables, stems, bulbs, and mushrooms. Ick. And then increasing the energy density on one side, the other point you have meat, eggs, dairy, poultry, fish, and selfish, which is fat and animal foods. And then on the other side, you have plant foods, which is nuts, seeds, fruits, cereals, legumes, starchy vegetables, whatever, which give you your fats and your carbohydrates. So the food triangle is a simple way to organize foods while eliminating the shortcomings of the protein, carbohydrate, and fat labeling. At a glance, one can recognize that foods at the top and right are high in fiber and phytonutrients, lower in saturated fats, and restricted, not deficient in certain amino acids, carbohydrates, and fat. So... Um, yeah, good book. I'm going to hit you one more time with the title, the health span solution, how and what to eat to add life to your years. Uh, and it's a hundred easy whole food recipes. So if you like mushrooms, it's probably fucking amazing for you, but it's from my pals at DK. So DK.com, uh, in the U S DK.com slash CA for my Canadian listeners, or just Google DK books. My pals at Dorling Kindersley. I fucking love them. I'm already nose deep in a bunch of the other stuff that they've sent me, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. I didn't dislike this. I just, I thought, you know, I I'm trying to take better care of myself. I saw, Hey, the health span solution that that sounds interesting to me. I'd like to, to learn more. I mean, we all know when we eat shit that we're not doing any, our, you know, ourselves any favors or whatever, but, um, I'm, I'm definitely down with, uh, with learning more. I enjoyed what I, what I learned and I'm going to keep trying to apply better recipes, uh, for my life. I got some stuff coming up, so I'll be telling you guys about that. And trust me, I'll be telling you about that. I've got my, uh, oh, where, 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 yeah, I got my wisdom teeth coming out next week. So, uh, not looking forward to that or soon, soon they're coming out soon. I told you guys how pissed off I was. Well, I'm, I am, I am getting them out. I am getting them the fuck out. So before the next podcast, I will have my wisdom teeth out and I will tell you guys all about that and how that goes. 
Um, yeah. So listen, you guys are the bomb diggity. Uh, I love you. I hope you guys have a great week. Can't wait to talk to you again and, uh, enjoy the music.